Hello there, welcome to this week's episode of the Peter Greenwood Show podcast. My name is Peter Greenwood and this is the best bits from the Peter Greenwood Show. And there's really only one best bit of the Peter Greenwood Show this week, not counting Stephen Bailey because he was very nice as well, but Jai Wobble was on the show. He is the man who brought you Public Image Limited, I always get that wrong, Public Image Limited, and many other bands throughout rock history, British punk history, throughout British pop the British punk scene. He was a fantastic man, so I thought I would bring you his interview on the podcast this week. Take a listen. This is the Peter Greenwood Show. I am Peter Greenwood. I am delighted to have your company. Now, the word legend is thrown around an awful lot these days. Oh, you're a legend. This is legendary. This is this is legendary. But my next guest is an actual legend. He has played with Public Image Limited. He's doing a tour. He is coming to Glasgow on February the 8th at Garage 2. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my distinct pleasure to welcome to this pokey little radio show on a Sunday evening, Jar Wobble. How are you today, Jar? Are you well? I am actually. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm good. Uh, tour's going well. If the music's good, I'm good. That's Bit tired because we do long sets and I'm, six, I'm 61 now. So, yeah, I'm... Uh, do feel it. I bet I've got a nice hotel room in Cardiff and I've had a good kip, you know. Yeah. What's the weather like there in Cardiff today? Is it nice? I have not been out. I can tell you just the sun's not shining. I can tell you that, but I haven't been out yet. That sounds like Cardiff, though. Yeah, yeah. There's so much I would like to speak to you about, but we let's crack on. I want to begin right at the beginning. How did you get into playing bass to start with? What is your origin story with music? Oh, I liked reggae very early on, um, and, you know, so I was very, even some of the early reggae and the very early dub I heard, the bass was pushed to the fore as compared to most musics at that time, and I liked that. Um, and then punk started, so it was suddenly okay for working class boys and girls to play an instrument. And, um, you know, and I'd gone to see Bob Marley 75 wow. at the Lyceum and, and um, uh, Family Man Barrett was on bass and Aston Family Man Barrett, who's the most musical of the heavy kind of reggae bass players, you know. Yeah. And I, I was just in fraud, you know, and there were some great reggae bands around the scene at that time, like the Sim- Simmerons and, and Toonby and... You know, you'd see, you had to go to like Hackney Town Hall to see them. You know, the people would, the big kind of events people would book those cinemas or uh, those those town halls or cinemas. It's very West Indian, Jamaican scene, you know, that I'd go along. And so I, I just would hit, you'd see this guy playing bass with the power of the universe coming through their fingertips, yeah, somehow. And it's visceral, it's physical. It wasn't just musical, it was a physical thing deep down in your uh, your guts, you know. It was something you actually felt at the time, like it was going through you, as you said. Yeah, yeah. Well, when you as well went to blues dances, I'd, yeah, again, I come from Stepney, and I'd go, I'd, it was all council flats, and you'd go a mile or two up the road into Hackney where you had old crumbling Georgian houses, and they're down in the big cellars, they'd put these down systems, and you'd have a big bass trap, and the bass would 
it would suck the base bins, would suck you, the bottoms of your trousers, you know. Um, and so it was very visceral, and it was it was about the sound and the tone and the frequency of the bass as much as the notes. That was all part of it, the phrasing. But you know, it was visceral, it was physical. Yeah. Is that around the time? And I'm a bit younger than you, so I wasn't there to experience it. Is that around the time when the two tone influence came in heavy no, and no, changed that music? Was, no. Well, no, that was a bit after. No, okay. That was probably like nineteen. Like this is this is mid seventies, right? Okay. Before then, yeah. I'm a little bit, it's probably a little bit older than that generation, you know. <laughs> so I remember. Who was that? Who was that? That shuffle bit. I remember that the first time round. Yeah, you know, that was I think specials or somebody did a, a version of that. God, what was that? The Sunny Shuffle. I can't remember. Anyway, that was that record. Um, I remember the first time around. So remember, I I I was brought up listening to Star. You know what we call Blue Beat in the East End. Right. You know, just Trojan records and all that in the sixties. You see, so when I was eight or nine, that was the first Desmond Decker and people that was the first stuff um i'd i'd i'd, I'd listen to what's what's the what's the ready film you know what's that film many rivers to cry jimmy cliff you know um, right yeah so you know that era that era that film's from you know um that portrays in the 60s and stuff that was the you know that was the uh that was my era yeah. You know, so um, you know, and, and it was the urban music of its time. My my sister listened to that music. That was the urban music of its time. You know, skinhead period. You know, and yeah. it was a real youth culture thing that turned into the suede thing. You know. See yeah. that whole era is so fascinating looking back on it because, as I said, I wasn't there. But it's such an explosion of youth culture and kids getting their music out there and being like, "This is what we like now." It's such well, a dynamic well, change. I, well, okay, let me tell you, I was born in 1958. That was the most meritorious year to be born working class. There's never been a time before or since where you know there's been more, uh, more. Of, 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 a benevolent year to have been born in terms of having a chance. Um, so I was brought into a world where you've, you had burgeoning working class heroes, Terence Stamp, Michael Caine, you had all that, all the Northern playwrights and uh, look back in anger, don't look back in anger, all that stuff, you know. Um, uh, Saturday night, Sunday morning, all the, you know, it was, a, it was a great time to be working class. The working class was our time. You know, yeah. Um, we had working class icons like Jimmy Graves and Bobby Moore. You know, um, and you you knew there was a class system, and it was a strong labour movement at the time. You know, you knew it was a rigged game. We all knew it was a rigged game, but we had a lot more seeding room then. You know, yeah. Um, to kind of work within, and there were certain films, fields certainly like entertainment where, and and sport where working class you really had a chance. I mean, it's one of the reasons. You end up in the arts because you can express yourself, but part of it is because it was least resistance going down in the field of arts than you'd find elsewhere, probably. You know, that's absolutely fascinating. I love hearing stories and, and, about and, that and, time. And we had, and we, and that was coupled with a strong youth culture. So you know, you had the mods and rockers, and it's the tents before that. It was very, very strong working class youth culture. That was the culture we were brought up. So that's the culture that's formed me. 
the the you know the clothes you know mohair suits it's a strong it's a wonderful strong culture that's been dissipated somewhat with the advent of caliph of californication and stuff which is a different kind of empire that comes from america um you know that whole gang thing you know that kind of culture our culture was uh you know it was it was a very british still there i guess it still has an influence you know but yeah that was that was this is all that's the era and the time that formed me and a very stable time it wasn't a time you had the Berlin, you had the um, Berlin Wall was still there. You know, you had the Iron Curtain, you had the Bamboo Curtain. There was a, if just for a time there, there was a fixed state, and it was safe because there'd been World War. We come off the back of that. My generation was once removed from that, so um, I can barely remember. Uh, yeah, I wasn't quite there for rationing, you know. But we grew up on bomb sites. We knew there'd been great violence. And my dad's generation didn't want any more. They'd been to war, they'd killed people, blah, 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 blah. They didn't want any more violence, you know. So it was fairly, uh, it was a, it reasonably safe, you know. And and and, yeah, and the new socialist municipality had given us housing, had given us education, had given us health. The guy I'm named after died of pneumonia after falling in the River Thames because there was no national health service at that then, you see. That's how connected my generation is with what came before, you understand? Oh, I, I, I follow you. Yeah, it's fascinating to hear. Thank you for thank you for sh- sharing all this. You're a very sincere man, Peter. Thank you. Oh, I, I just appreciate you sharing your stories, sir. It's fascinating to listen to because I love hearing about the history of music and where it all came from and its development to where it is now, even though I'm not yeah. very hot on music as it is now, but that's, that's, that's just yeah, what's, what's your what, what stuff do you like? I like a lot of guitar stuff. Uh, I don't want to say full-on rock like Slipknot and things. I'm not I don't go that that extreme, but I do like a lot of good rock guitar kind of bands. I listen to a lot of okay. 80s bands and that kind of thing, so okay. nothing yeah. today really grabs me particularly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'd like to ask a little bit, if I may, and you've probably been asked this a thousand and one times, and I apologise if it's a bit repetitive for you, sir. Your nickname, Jar Wobble, was given to you by Sid Vicious, if That's I understand correct. correctly. We were- we're trying to get through to the other side of a locked door, somewhere in West London, I think. And we had the key, and I, I think it was the correct key. Maybe it wasn't the correct key, because we did have a good go at it. We couldn't get through. We were lagging drunk. Right. And uh, halfway through, they said, he, could, he was drunk, he was lagging. He said, Jar, well, I'm going to call you Jar Wobble, not John, because you like reggae. And my second, my real name is Waldo. So well, I said, I'm going to keep that. Because everyone was getting nicknamed. I was going to keep that Sid. No one's going to... I don't even know he was called Sid. And I might call him John, because we all called John. And so I said, I'm going to keep that. No one will forget it. And that's what happened. We actually gave up trying to get through the door. and went to some squat, went to another squat. We stayed the night somewhere else because we couldn't get through the door. You know, we, yeah. we, were, we, we were lagging drunk. It was a bit like Laurel and Hardy. So I'm seeing it in black and white. Like, it was a Laurel and Hardy sketch, actually come to think of it somehow you know yeah that's fascinating i i forgive me again another thing you've probably been asked a thousand times what was what was sid really like is he really as 
as cool as history remembers him as being? Yeah, all I can say is I did a thing, the real Sid. I played a part in a documentary called Sid by the People Knowing that was on Sky. Now, I think it was a pretty good documentary, but I did a really good radio documentary that's out there somewhere, the real Sid, which looked behind the icon. And, you know, I independently and very good mates with people in East London that looked after Sid when he came to London back to his mum, bit hippie, there were, you know, certain issues with her, you know, I think with drugs and stuff, you know, as well, blah, 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 you know. And um, she'd gone off to Ibiza, I think it was, and then came back to this country and lived, uh, lived in Tunbridge Wells and then Bristol. Really? You know, Tunbridge Wells is actually a very unlikely place, yeah. Originally, mm. Sid lived in the old Covent Garden in London and went to primary school at Piccadilly Circus somewhere near there, believe it or not, you know. And um, and then his mum's the old hippie trail, I beef up, blah, 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 blah. Tunbridge Wells, a very unlikely place for him to live. And then Bristol. So Sid had a slight Bristol accent, actually. Believe it or not, like you know, when he, you know, when he came to London, so which he t- took a bit of Mickey taking for, and a couple, of, a few of my friends looked after him. They're very good mates of mine, which I know independently to nine Sid, you know. Yeah. Um, it turned out one of them, an old mate of mine, um, he Terry, um, I didn't know, I didn't even know he knew Sid, and it turned out it put Sid up when Sid got kicked out of the house by the mum, you know. So he was, you know. Um, a bit neglected in my view, obviously, you know, on that radio interview, the England's dreaming author, John Savage, who's a very good friend of mine, kindly gave me access to his archive, which is kept at, um, at university in Liverpool. And there's a recording on there of her being interviewed by John Savage kind of saying, oh, I told Sid to sling his hook. He said, but mum, where, where should I stay? She's when he's like 15. I said, I don't care. Sleep on a bloody park bench if you've got to. She was out in the East Midlands originally, I think, his mum, you know. Mm-hmm. And so the funny thing was, I then found out and make it, he went and stayed around my very good mate Terry's house. And I used to go and see Tottenham Moment away with Terry, you know, like, you know. And so he's a proper East End geezer and, you know, he's out of Bethel Green, Terry. And, um, you know, a nice bloke. Um, anyway, he stayed with when she kicked him out and he ended up staying there, you know. And then I remember um, there was a, yeah, as he said there, uh, Terry, they then fell out because, you know, he was a big David Bowie fan. And they went to a party of a guy, uh, I won't say his name, doesn't matter, but they in Hackney. And I think Sid was a bit, a bit kicking off a bit. And as Terry said, he, he had enough of him, so he picked up the nearest thing at hand, which was a, a meat fork, and stuck it in Sid, you know. Wow. Um, and, and I think their relationship was never quite the same after that, as he said, you know. But, um, but yeah, you know, Sid was, you know, could be a bit... He, and that's typical Sid. He could get funny. He could get spiky. He could get funny, you know, and be... And you'd, you'd stop liking him. He'd be dislikable. And you'd have, he had to... Um, you, you had to kind of, you know, deal with him. So it could be awkward, you know. I mean, we, Sid, at the time, I went to College of Further Education. I suppose they called it Sixth Form College. It was for kind of a culture. It used to specialise in kids that had been kicked out of school and all that. It was one of its specialities, Kingsway. 
it was called. And that's why I met Johnny Lydon, Johnny Rotten, Johnny Lydon. And that's why I met, you know, and Sid come there. They were mates and they'd been at Hackney College and Sid come over to be with John at Kings. And obviously he means to become mates. John went off to, to being a pistol. So he just disappeared. And I'm left with Sid for a while. 15, 16, I went to a college of further education called Kingsway. It specialised, one of its specialities was dealing with kind of, yeah, problem kind of kids being expelled from school. That was one of its kind of specialities. And it did, it did all those courses for like boys doing the GP, G, the old GPO apprenticeship and girls doing secretarial courses, that kind of thing. A lot of Cypriot people there and West Indian kids, all that kind of stuff, you know, North East, King, King's Cross which was a real dumpy area at that time. So I used to leave, used to leave Whitechapel, which was probably worse. In fact, the Kings was two really dumpy areas just up the road on the tube, you know, really run down at that time. Anyway, Johnny Rotten had had meningitis, Johnny Lydon. So he came to Kingsway. He's like 18, I'm 15, 16. I was young. Um, and then Sid came. And Sid was, was, I think, in between me and Johnny. He's like a year older than me or something. But anyway... John then went off to join the Pistols, you know. I think Sid was upset because he didn't really want it, but he'd introduced him to. He was he was always being trying to meet interesting people around London, Sid, you know. Anyway, and he had a bit of that hustler thing going on, you know. It's funny, a lot of people that go on, you know, who got into heroin have got something natural kind of hustler about them, that kind of thing going on, you know. And um, anyway... He uh, was seeing a psychiatrist at the time. So this is when he would have... It's funny, you go back and you put all the jigsaw pieces together, which is what I did when I did the radio documentary. You go back and it's fascinating going back, putting the bits and pieces of the jigsaw together that were around you at that time. Anyway, he was seeing a psychiatrist at that time. And I realised when I did the documentary, the gravity of the situation, I hadn't really appreciated it at the time. And his psychiatrist asked me to go in with him. Now, we were both just called John. He wasn't Sid. I wasn't Joe Wobble at the time. You know, he was John. He was actually Simon John Ritchie, but he used the name John Ritchie. So it's John and John. We go and see the psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist wants to see me because Sid has been talking about kidding himself. And the psychiatrist wants me as a friend to be there to help talk him out of that. So it's a bit dark, what I'm going to say. And I don't, you know, at the time, we were just, we'd been a bit wicked, me and Sid, you know. Mm-hmm. But so the psychiatrist says to me, John, talking to me, John, meaning Sid, he's actually talking to taking his own life. And I, you obviously are into things, aren't you? Sid tells me you like movies. I said, yeah, football. Yeah, it's all the stuff I do. Could you help me convey to Sid life is worth living? And it's, you know, and me and Sid had obviously had a little word before. And I said, well, I'm not so for Sid, John, but for Sid, I'm not sure for Sid if life is worth living, and I think he might have a point. And Sid gravely nodded at the psychiatrist, gravely, yes, see, even my friend, you know. Now, the poor old psychiatrist just looked horrified, and I kept a poker face. We were just having fun. Obviously, it's wicked fun, you know. Mm. No one wants anyone, you know. I didn't realise, of course, many a true word said in jest. And that Sid already, for me, had that kind of dark force going, you know what I mean, where you yeah. want to end it all in a way, you know. So there was some of that in a complex character, you know, as these people tend to be, you know, problem people, God bless him, you know. So that's the background to it, you know. Yeah. And uh, poor old psychiatrist, I feel, look back, he's a classic Hampstead egghead kind of guy that was obviously trying to be compassionate and was just, he was literally at a loss for words. So 
we were deadpan. We left there. We got out, went up the road and burst out laughing. You know, you know, that's how it was. Yeah. Sid seems to be one of those guys who I watch in documentaries and whatnot, and he just seems to have so much energy. For want of a better term, he burns so bright with energy. Well, we were naughty boys, and I think everyone on that scene, me especially, yeah, you know, everyone had this crazy energy, and uh, or certain people, and mischief-making, and somehow quite lovable, really, you know. Um, And really, we're like the Marx Brothers more than anything else, you know. You know, that kind of bright, funny, into stuff, you know, yeah, yeah. This is the voice of Jar Wobble. He is here to talk to us about his new album and his tour. And we haven't touched a word on it. We've been speaking for so long now, and I apologise profusely to you, sir, for not getting to the new album of a tour. But I just had to take the chance to ask you some stories. I, I appreciate I'm not you telling me. At all. I, I'm absolutely. I don't bother plugging records. If you ask me, I'll tell you. I don't bother plugging tours. If you ask me, I'll tell you. I'm happy to have a chat, and that's it. I just take life as it comes, mate. You know. That's yeah. such a good attitude to have. I need to learn to be more like that. I'm, you know, it's I'm still trying to process things, but I'm happy to take you on doing private counselling, Peter. A very fair price. I'm a life coach. Done deal. You've gone quiet. Ah, you stunned <laughs> you there. No, don't worry. I'm jo- I'm joking. I'm joking. No, no, no. I'm not a life coach. Don't worry. You know. I did worry. wonder. I was like, nobody told me. <laughs> no, John no, was no, a life no, coach. No, no, no. No, no, no. I'm thinking of changing my Twitter profile to Life Coach Storyteller. <laughs> People call themselves Story. If you t- if you call yourself a storyteller, you're obviously not. Yeah. You know, but there you go. Yeah. I would like to ask a little bit about the tour because you're in Cardiff at the moment. I and- refuse to speak about my tour. No, no, go on. No. Uh, well, <laughs> we're, we're, we're six in. I'm already lying in bed doing it. I've got my socks on in bed as well. just want you to know that. Just for, as I wouldn't normally do. I was a bit cold last night. I appreciate yeah, was- all information. Anything you want to tell yeah, me? That's good. Let me go. We are with very expensive Italian socks, but we'll leave it there. But anyway, which I shouldn't do because they go all fluffy, don't you, when you when you do that. But anyway, right. Yes. So seven seven dates in. Um so we're at the three mile mark of the twenty six and a half mile marathon, you know. Uh, yeah. whatever it is. But anyway, yeah, it's like we do a long set. We're very entertaining. You know, full houses. We're playing the full houses at the moment. I always expect the worst. I thought this year would. I thought last year I would get a call in December from the promoter saying, "John, sorry, mate. For some reason, ticket sales aren't great. We're only we're going to have to cancel some of the shows because I'm long overdue one of them calls." But it didn't come. In fact, we're sending tickets like okay, so that's great. At some point, the call will come because what comes together eventually comes apart. But, you know, see, I'm very pessimistic. But right now, it's all good. Um, got a new album called Ocean Blue Wave with the Invaders at Heart, George King, Martin Chungy Chung, Mark Layton Bennett. Fantastic players, top-notch players. That goes from, to, from a guitar-driven rock, actually, with Take My Hand, which I might be up your street, Um and uh, some soft, almost West Coast rock, believe it or not, this with um, uh, uh, Fly Away, and, but also some kind of ja- quite modally kind of jazz funk on there, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's a proper Invasion of the Heart record. Um, and we're, yeah, we've got a very busy six months or so, you know, yeah. And 
I want to touch on this a little bit, and forgive me if this is insulting. You mentioned earlier how old you were. Do you still enjoy touring and putting together new albums and going out and meeting the fans? Yes, I do. Yeah, I do. I miss me missus and I miss me dog. I have to say severely at times, you know. Um, you know, so you do what you can. I'm, I'm, because I should. I tour generally Thursdays to Saturday, Sunday, and we do long sets. So it's a, you know, it's full. But I've started a community project off in London, South London. I live up north of England, but I started this thing off in South London. So it was for lonely old blokes. I'm not saying I'm old and lonely. Yeah. Anyway, it was for lonely old blokes. Was the blokes who maybe got a bit isolated? Get them out, playing music again, or playing music for the first time. I've got to use music because it's the thing I do. Well, we hit the ground running. We got a we got a ton of people coming and a lot of women, which is lovely. So we got a lot of women came, even younger women came, even younger blokes came, a few homeless people came, um, you know, people that, are, you know, are not housed, who were lovely people, fantastic people. So that was a jam session on a Monday night and that's sacrosanct to me now, I've got to be there. And it's gone so well, we in the process of building a recording studio. We nearly finished it, actually. Really? I've, I've got, I'm going to be on the beggar bit with people because I think people will be body swerving me because it's like, I need a bit more money to get it out. I mean, people have been great with those money in there and everywhere. So I'll do that. Mondays to Wednesday, I'm in London doing that, you see, Wednesday night. And then I go and do the gig. So it's, it's, seven, it's six or seven nights a week with the travelling. So it's days a week for me at the moment, you know? So it's hardcore, you know. Um, but yes, to answer your question finally, yeah, I love making music. That's why I, I love making music. Love it. And I'm also aware life's really impermanent. You look at the troubles we've got in, compare this period to the period I described earlier growing up. Mm -hmm. This is very unstable time. Life's impermanent anyway, you know. Um, look at this virus. We could be in trouble with this virus. You know, every... 60, 70 years or whatever, you have world wars. There's a kind of weird cycle with this stuff. Or you have terrible viruses. And I guess, you know, a lot of doctors and people will be looking at this thinking, my God, you know, will this mutate? Yeah, will, will it go become, further? Will it go further? Will it mutate? You know, life's very impermanent. So I think one has to show, not panic, a sense of urgency. Do what you got to do. Make music. It's about turning people on and trying to be useful in society and do something, make people happy um, and, and, and pass a good message, something good. If you just take people's fears and woes away for an hour or two, it's a really lovely thing to do. You expand people's state of mind, you know, where space and warmth comes in rather than a tightness and a fear and an anger. You bring something else to people, you know. Yeah, it's kind of why sometimes I think politicians are not nice people. You know, yeah, um, to yeah, say the least, misguided. Yeah, you know, they they they're about fear and being scared of something and tightening, and it's about expanding if you can, you know, and and relaxing and you know. So yeah, you know, I enjoy what I do, and it's nice to feel you're kind of useful, you know. And uh, I've got to pace myself, man. You know, I think I, I do. Think people sometimes it's like look we're, we're two and a half hours we played last night it's a long time that is a, that is a massively so long time I, I do a lot of drumming all that I'm 61 I've got to be careful I've got I have to 
try to pace myself. My band are great. They're younger than me. They make sure my crew that I'm looked after and uh, I don't do sound checks, obviously, or anything. I turn up and play. But I've got to pace myself. I'm 61, old age pensioner guy. I've got my rel pass and all that stuff, you know. I've got to kind of, you know, nurture myself here a bit, you know, be, be, be careful. But, you know, in order to do the job, I've got to, you know, my fingers, I have to nurse my fingers because two and a half hours, metal strings, you know, you've got to be careful your fingers don't swell up. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, with it, with a blister, they can blister up. So, you know, almost like sportsman awareness sort of thing, you know, without, you know, and that's fine, you know. So, but you, yeah, you've got to do, you've got kind of pace yourself as best you can you know but uh, but the band people don't won't let the band leave stage and there's a lot of that is not down to me it's down to the uh, the i happen to have put, i've been with the drummer and keyboard player mark and george i played with for 10 years or so now so they were the last wave of new players that i had that are now veteran players with me because i had people like harry beckett who played with charlie mingus harry played with me for years what a lovely man you know what a character Wow. You know, Neville Murray, who's retired now, the percussionist. Me and Neville, were, he started, Neville started playing with me about 1981. You know, he retired a few years ago. So this was this new wave of players that I got in. And they're top notch. I was determined, right, I'm going to find, I'm going to go out. I'm going to have my last furlong with really good musicians. So I know I was doing some jazz kind of stuff with these fellas 10 years or so ago, got me involved with some left field stuff. And then I reformed, made Invaders of the Heart with them. It's Invaders of the Heart Mark three essentially. And I, I did that five, six years ago with them. And, and while we're having this high level of success, isn't overnight. I, I, it's just down to hard graft the last few years with wonderful players who inspire me. They're three very, very good musicians, you know. And Martin Chungi Chung, who's good mates with Mark anyway, he joined five, six years ago. And, um, you know, they're, they're terrific players, these guys, you know. I mean, really, seriously, you know, people go crazy for they can't believe how good they are, you know. And it's a great unit, you know. It's it's you've got a, it's like watching a great football team. We passed the Barcelona team with a few years ago. We passed the it's the ball gets passed about on stage with great accuracy, Touchwood. You know, it's quite amazing to see, you know. Every time you, you say a new name, I, I go like, oh, I must ask him about that. But I, I've got to let you go. You've got you've got a busy day ahead of you, sir. But I just appreciate your time and thank you so much for coming on. I feel like I could sit and talk to you forever. Peter, thank you. Thank you, my friend. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And yeah, you know, yeah, come to the show if you want. So come and say hello. And yeah, lovely shame to you, mate. Lovely I'm now, I'm now off. I'm now off to the fitness centre. Oh, really? In the hotel. Oh, yeah, I do. I do a bit. Yeah, I do. I play football. I'm touring in June. I'm, I've been chosen. I go up with a, 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 a team. I don't play. Well, I play with a certain team in South Manchester, but um, a team is going to ball. I can pop a few goals in. So they come, you know. So I'm going off um, to to Holland. Um, and I think, I think, I think it's hot, just Holland. Yeah, we're touring there playing football in a tournament and um you know so i'm still at it yeah i'm 61 and still at it with the football and everything i'm not in bad nick you know yeah over it i over it yesterday but i'll i'll punish myself for that i'm not draconian but yeah i uh i, I, I don't normally feed but last night sometimes you're hungry after the shows i was eating sandwiches in dressing room at midnight right. which i think come on son you know yeah you know, late night eating but i was hungry you know because you're drumming you know you're drumming and you're moving about and all that on stage because i drummed as well 
So, you know, and I put I put my all into it. So it knackers you, you know. So. Yeah. Anyway. Joe Wobble's new album is called Ocean Blue Waves. He is playing at Garage 2 on February the 8th in Glasgow. Ja, it's been incredible speaking to you. Thank you so much for your time today. Pizza, lovely chatting to you, mate. Thank you. And that, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between, is it for this week's episode of the podcast. Thank you for your time and your patience. I'll be back again soon. Until then, my name's Peter Greenwood. Bye, every single body. Bye.